Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And I'm Tony Russo. And you're tuning in for another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast and video chat with writers and authors where we chat about their books, their work, their creative process, and whatever else happens to come up in the conversation. Today, our guest is Jamad Gold, author of two books, Uncivil Unity and Immemorial Lives. Jamad is a graduate of Bowie State University with a degree in music technology, and his passion for writing, music, and social issues are at the core of his creative works. So welcome back to the podcast, Jamad. Thank you all for having me. This is what a, this is my third time, right? I think it is. I think it yeah. is. You're, uh, you're becoming a regular, which is awesome because you always have something cool to talk about uh, every single time we jump in here with you. So I want to set you guys record, make sure I'm like the most uh, brought on guest that you have. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, that's going to belong to Jeff because he has to come when one of us can't make it. Okay. Yes. Like Tony Randall. Okay, he Jeff. Is. Yeah, you, you you've got it for him. <laughs> maybe maybe this means that Jamad is going to vie for another co-host position. So mm. maybe that's the way we get him on. Uh, the guest co-host. I can't I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I wanted to have you on the podcast because... Um, as, I, as you and I are friends on Facebook and, um, you know, just following your progress and the things that you're doing with your books and your writing, I noticed that you're doing, you've kind of got something unusual going on. And I just wanted to know if you'd talk to us a little bit about your Patreon and is it Haru? Haru. Haru. Okay. Yep. So, uh, yeah, cause you're doing like a short story mm-hmm. via Patreon. And I was just like wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about what you've got going on and how that's working for you. For sure. So uh, if anybody doesn't know, Patreon is your monthly subscription service that creatives use to get their products out there, direct to consumer, and you know, they, they make their money that way. So uh, I was looking up you know, different ways I could get this story out and get my stories out and also uh, still make a profit off of it, even if it's small, you know, profit, profit, especially in the, uh, the indie world. So uh, I started a Patreon on there has short stories. Um, I have two series that I'm the second one launching next month. Um, the first one is like you said, Haru, and uh, I'm just including some other stuff on there. So monthly newsletter about different things that I'm doing, whether it be community work or other stories that are coming up, interviews that I'm doing, um, a talk series where I'm talking about social issues and I'm speaking about different things I see in the community and different things I've, I learned well. Uh, now I'm in grad school, so different things I'm learning and different things I'm experiencing writing. You know. I'm active, you know. Um, and Haru is just Haru's been a pleasure to write. You know? like it's, been, it's it's really a passion of mine. Like, everybody knows I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we we've covered that in <laughs> yeah. past podcasts. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows I'm a nerd. Uh, superheroes, comic books, anime, I love them all. But and when I was growing up, Static Shock was always my favorite superhero. And the reason being is because he was the only one I saw like in the heart of the inner city, fighting uh, ex-gang members, fighting you know uh, corruption. The show dealt with social issues. So his best friend was a white guy. So his dad didn't like black kids. So he had that episode about you know them dealing with racism. And this is on a kids cartoon show. Like wow. I've never seen anything like it. So I loved it. Um, when, but as I got older, I noticed like there's not a lot of black superheroes that really represent the everyday person. Now I know a lot of uh, indie comic book authors or indie comic book creators, and a lot of them are doing a very really good job of it. But 
I haven't seen anybody that doesn't have powers or that represents the young people in the inner city and that talks about uh, things from the opposite side. So I created Haru. So Haru is actually a gang member. Okay. Um, this is giving some insight to the stories for those of you that haven't read it. So, you know, read it if you're interested. This sounds interesting to you. So uh, Haru is a gang member. Um, and after the death of his mentor and the leader of the gang, he kind of like uh, loses it and steps up and he's, he's out to find out what happened to him. And along that journey, he finds that there's deep seated corruption in the city. So the short story series is just exploring him going from being the regular everyday person um, that's in a gang, but highly intelligent to being a hero for his for his hood, as I call him, Haru Hero of the Hood. So he goes from being that just regular gang member to being this superhero for the inner city. And he's going to battle corruption, whether it be government officials, police brutality, and just hoping to tackle social issues that you know, happen every day. And, and right, so are you I'm, doing I'm, like, oh, go ahead, Tony. <laughs> he has no powers. Is the no powers? Have no. Any, any extra? Um, yeah. Power. So no, no powers at all. Uh, my stepson told me it was kind of boring. <laughs> that was uh, actually he told me that was lame, and I was like, no, his power is his brain. Because a lot of times we see all these heroes, they have all these incredible powers, so they can take down you know people, these villains of of power and these villains of authority but we don't talk about the everyday person that can take down people using nothing but their mind. So of course I have him trained in some martial arts, but that's right, not the right. outlandish, but he has no real powers other than he's highly intelligent. I love it. I love it. So are you doing like installments, like story one, story two, story three, are they all like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three of the same sort of like, like could they ultimately become something that would be a novel or would they, or do you view them as like different issues of the same comic book or how are you structuring the different parts of Haru? Right. So I can't draw. <laughs> so I'm just throwing that out there. If anybody wants to help me out and draw some things for me, I did commission one person to actually draw Haru. So, you know, we can get a visual concept of what it'll look like. But I can't draw. So comic book has kind of added a question for me. But these are uh, it's a short story series. So the first five are going to connect. They're going to be one continual story. And then after that, they're going to break off into different issues and different stories that I'll explore throughout this, the entire series. Because I, I didn't, I wanted him to be representative of how our youth actually are. So he's, you know, he's popular, but he's kind of that cool kid that doesn't really want to go to school. So he skips school a lot. Because um, he's in the inner city, he's and he's highly intelligent. The teachers kind of give him leeway. Um, I, he's nervous around this girl that he likes. I really try to make him as regular as possible, but still not as regular as possible. If there's any way that those two can like collide and be one, that's how I envision them. So, trying to emphasize that he doesn't have a power is like a big thing of mine. Haru's real name is actually Hannibal. I named him after the Egyptian general, Hannibal, who was a brilliant tactician. If anybody knows history, Hannibal was uh, the reason that Greece could not take over Egypt. You know, they tried their hardest, but they couldn't get past him. He was just a beautiful tactician. And I just, I've modeled him after him, where he can think three, four, five, six moves ahead of you. 
and he's a chess player. So he, he knows how to think and coordinate ahead of time. So so there's a comedian, Hannibal Burris. He does a joke about being named Hannibal and not and, and after the general and not after the um, serial killer. But having grown up <laughs> in the 1980s, I always thought of Hannibal Smith from the 18. So I, you know, I was more surprised that the serial killer was named Hannibal. And if you ever watched the A-Team, which you didn't because neither of you were alive when it was on, they made a big deal about he's this great tactician and he's they, they it's not even his real name. They just call him Hannibal because that's what a great tactician he is. So that was the first time I had heard of the general Hannibal. And it was on some dopey action television show at, you know, seven o'clock on Thursdays or whatever. <laughs> the fact that you still remember what time that it came on and everything. I, I made that up, but I, I made it up with confidence. <laughs> but I think it's important for, you know, like you were saying, like when you were younger, you didn't see yourself represented in a lot of the shows that you were watching and a lot of the movies you were watching. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really, um, like, I love the idea that you are now fostering and building characters that, you know, other, other kids can look at and be like, Oh, like, I, like I see myself in that the way that you did, you know, with, um, is it static? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, the way that you did there, um, you know, I, I just feel like that's a really important thing for, you know, creators and authors and writers and people to do is to, let people see something to give people art that they can then see themselves represented in, um, you know, because we know representation is really important. Um, and so I think that that's, I, th I think that's incredible. And, and I love the way that, you know, you're kind of blending. So I guess the question is how much of Jamad is in Haru? Mm, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> I think this time I kind of tried to take myself out of it a little bit more. No, as I'm learning, like I have a tendency to do that. I think probably all creative writers do is they put themselves in the character. I think that's the how you write the story because you kind of envision yourself as the main character. Um, but I've tried to take a back seat and take myself out of it and say, not what would Jamad do, but what would Hannibal do? What would Haru do? Like what what would this character's person do? Like how how would they think? And then if I don't know, then figure out a way for me to figure it out and put it into the story. So Jamada, uh, there's some. There's <laughs> like, you know, in there. There's some. I slept some in there. I did make them have dread, so I mean, that's something. <laughs> We've talked about this, I think, on the show before. One of my great failures in fiction is that I always feel like it's too obviously me. You know, I can't... Or, if it's, or it's too obviously not me. You know, you finding that middle part where it's authentic yeah. is where I think good fiction can come from. And I have an authenticity problem. I'm either like, well, this story is just too constructed or this is kind of a memoir and everyone knows it, you know, <laughs> and finding that, finding that middle ground is like a surfing kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to figure out how do I stand up on this wave and ride it out. Yeah. But I got some inspiration from a, a, a artist I've been reading lately named N.K. Jemison. So she is a sci-fi fantasy author. She's the first person to ever win the Hugo Award uh, three years straight. Um, and she's she's amazing. She's the first person I've ever read anything who writes in second person. Um, first time I've ever read a, a novel or a series of novels that's about stone lore 
Um, she flipped the script and made all her characters have dark skin. Um, gave her main character, made her main character overweight, made her have dreads. I mean, she just she put herself into the book, and you can tell. But at the same time, it's so far out there that you know this isn't completely her or the things that she would do. So I've been reading the her Broken Earth trilogy, and it, it kind of inspired me, and it gave me some insight. And I saying, you know, I, I started reading it because she won the Hugo Award for three consecutive years, and that's never been done before since 1965 with this first winner in uh, Frank Herbert. So I'm like, nobody's won this award for an entire series. Nobody's won this award for three consecutive years. And here it is, this 2016, and this 40-year-old black woman is doing it. Well, that means that she's at the pinnacle of sci-fi and fantasy. So what is it that she's doing that I can somewhat emulate but make mine? And reading her series, is just, it's opened up the doors for me. It's opened up my mind to be way more creative than I have been. Well, and I think that does kind of bring us a little bit back toward this idea of authenticity, this like not being afraid to tell the story in the way that it needs to be told. And, you know, and if you're not going to hit the beats that people expect, that has to be okay with you if yeah. that's the way this, if that's the way the story goes, yeah. you know, doing doing interesting things with time and and with and with perspective and with voice you can you're like well it would be cool if that happened but that doesn't really happen in books i don't want people to think you know that my book is crappy because it's told from these three different perspectives or whatever and finding the courage to say no no this is how it's going to go and i'll get a good editor and they'll tell me if i failed or not you know yeah. i think that's a that's an important part that uh, a lot of times we can forget. Absolutely. Especially uh, emphasis on the good editor. Yeah. <laughs> emphasis on the good editor. Uh, like I, I think I said it before. I, I'm just not a good editor. Like not with my own writing. Right. Anything my, but my own writing. The only time I, I'm sorry. So when I edit my own work, I try to leave it for three or four days a week. If I can two weeks, if I have the time, and if I read it after two weeks and I'm like, hey, it's not bad, like then I'm more confident than if I just fire something off. Yeah. Because two weeks later, if I'm like, okay, no, something, this isn't this isn't what you were going for, but now we can fix it because I got a little distance. Yeah. And that's what's difficult is taking the time because as you're saying, you know, if you if you've got to put stuff out, finding a way to get that distance and also to still hit the deadlines can be can be a tricky proposition. Absolutely. And you know, one day I'm hoping to be able to meet those deadlines because this <laughs> is, well, I'm not even going to say one day I'm hoping to. One day I will. I'll meet those deadlines because this is my full-time job and this is what I'm doing 100% of the time. So instead of spending, you know, a couple hours a day writing, I'll be able to spend 10, 12 hours a day knocking something out. And where to go from, you know, 2,000 words is probably like, the, one of the my biggest achievements to where I can do ten thousand words a day, you know. So that's going to happen some sometime soon in the near future. And we had talked before. I mean, you you're a self proclaimed nerd, and and um, you know, really, you know, feeling a, a home with you know the you know the comic book or the science fiction genre. It's really something that you feel really comfortable with. It really seems to be the the style of voice that you prefer. Mm -hmm. Even to the point where you've branched into a podcast for 
anime or animation and activism mm-hmm. to kind of bring those kind of two two uh, passions that you have for activism and you know this particular style of writing, and then you sort of coalesce them into a podcast. Yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you're sort of moving in between these two worlds and and how those things are working for you? So, in the midst of COVID, um, well, probably a little bit before COVID happened, I kind of like took a back seat from being ex- as as active as I was in the community. Um, mostly because I needed to rediscover who I was as a person. And I think I, I really did that. And the podcast really combined those two, you know, like, just like you said, combining the animation and combining the activism and putting it into one thing. So I've had some great guests on there. Um, James Yamakawa. I've had a uh, C-Mac on there. I've had Leslie Hall, who's the president of the human uh, director of the human rights committee or human rights campaign. Um, their HBCU outreach program. So uh, Makaya Purnell, who, who's a grant writer for University of Maryland Eastern Shore. I've had some great people on there and everybody talks about different subjects and I always connect them to cartoons. You know, typically cartoons we grew up on, but sometimes modern day cartoons because we, we watch all this stuff and we never realize the deeper meanings that are, that are sewed in them. But oftentimes you have to remember that these are written by 25, 55, you know, that age group or that age range of people are actually writing these. And they know that even if kids are watching them, the parents are going to be forced to watch them as well. And they have some type of moral obligation to put something in there for the parents. So sometimes you get, you know, with the comedy, you get more sexual innuendos a lot of times. Um, But when it comes to like superhero cartoons or when it comes to like, uh, Rugrats or you know stuff like that that can be more they can be more educational. I, I like to use the example of uh, Powerpuff Girls, where uh, right now we're in a climate where people are arguing about the LGBT community, specifically transgenders, and uh, you get him on the Powerpuff Girls, who is a male devil tradition traditionally male, but dresses like a in a traditional female wardrobe. And has a traditional female voice, but when he gets angry, speaks with a deeper traditional male voice. So it's like it's been in front of you this whole time. You watched it as a child and you never realized it, you know. So things like that, but it just combines those two. And I think it's amazing that we can have that crossover and a lot of people are on there and they're like, I never realized. I was watching this and it was on there. So I'm glad I can shed some light on that for people. And I just got a new co-host on there, GLR. You know, GLR is a singer, songwriter from Salisbury. Well, he's actually from Baltimore. He moved to Salisbury. But the two of us together are going to be amazing. I can't wait to drop some more episodes on there. And when do they When do they typically come out and where can they be found? I've honestly been inconsistent <laughs> with recording because of COVID. Um, but... Uh, they are on all major platforms. Um, we're getting into a schedule now, so we'll be able to drop them uh, once to twice a month from here on out. So it's about to become way more consistent now that we can sit down and have a better better schedule, better plan that out. Yeah, COVID kind of hit us the same way. So, you know, we're, we're now revamping, you know, our podcast now with, you know, this platform and trying some new things. So I think that we're all trying to figure out COVID and podcasting and, and yeah. scheduling things. <laughs> when you decided to open a Patreon, mm-hmm. um, that takes the kind of self-confidence that I just, I just don't have. 
I'm like, you know, just just please read my stuff, please. You know, and I don't uh and so how 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 is it going? How did you decide to make that jump? Because I mean it's really going going forward, if you want to earn a living writing, it's pretty much one of the last ways to do it. So um a friend of mine had one for yoga. Um, a girl I went to college with named Tiffany. She does like yoga lessons on there. If you pay on a certain tier, the lower tiers, you get like pictures, a higher tier, you get like videos of different yoga poses, but she teaches yoga via Patreon. So she doesn't have to go to a studio. There's like, no overhead costs or anything like that for her. And I was like, huh, I wonder if people use that for writing. It'd be a really good idea. So I, I looked on there, saw that there were writers there and Kay Jemison's actually one of them, which is how I discovered her. Um, and I just started looking like, well, what are they doing? So I started looking at what they're doing. I text her like, hey, how's Patreon working? You know, I, I knew about it before, but I wasn't that familiar with the platform. So I just made myself more familiar. Um, and I honestly don't have don't know that many people that read sci fi or fantasy. Um, I know I'm, I'm releasing next month uh, the beginnings of a dramedy series called God Talks where it's actually going to explore the gods of old and new um, coming down and visiting human mankind on a more consistent basis. So that'll be launching on there, kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone, but really the Patreon in itself is stepping outside. You know, like you said, if I, if you want to make a living as a writer, you have to build that name and direct to consumer is the way to go at this point. So I'm like, man, I don't care anymore. If people are going to read it, people are going to read it. I'm going to, I can probably find more people that like it if it's out there. So right. this is the best way I found to put it out there. And it's the easiest way I found the platform is actually very user friendly. So I just took that leap of faith and it, it's been very good so far. Yeah. I, I was toying with doing a book that way mm -hmm. um, because if you ask for whatever, $12 a year or I don't know, whatever, a dollar, right? Dollar a month, $5 a month, $60 yeah. a year. Um, if you would buy, I felt like if you would buy the book for 20 bucks, you would buy a subscription for 20 bucks. That of course would commit me to writing a book a year. Mm. And that was very intimidating. So I'm still, <laughs> still on the fence about it, but it's, it's, I was so excited to see that you had, that you had opened one. And I was, I'm, was very interested to see how it went because Again, I don't do enough promotion to get anybody to listen to this free show. And so the kind of promotion that you'd have to do to get someone to pay is I worry that it's more work than I'm willing to do. And have you found that pushing it that way? Is it is it harder than you thought it would be? Is it easier? I would say it's definitely harder than I thought it would be. But it's also kind of expected. Like I said, I don't know many people that want to read. And the ones that I do, they're stuck in or they read their particular genres that they like. No, no problem. Um, however, I, I know that there's a niche group of people that would fall in love with what I write. Right. So I think my issue is reaching that niche group during the COVID time. Yeah, um, it's very yeah. hard. Yeah, because yeah. typically I could go to cons, I'd pay $150, $200, let's set up a table, let's have my already published books there, let's have a big Haru poster in the back, and let's, you know, 
bring people to the Patreon where I'm releasing unreleased chapters for my new my next book on there every you know every quarter. So you're gonna get the old, you can look at the old content, you can preview the new content and everything right there. Um but without those, you know, it does become harder. So you have to really my my fiance said it best. I've been I've been blessed to get engaged over these last couple months. Well, um, this past it's Thank only you. blessed to get engaged. The marriage is a whole different thing. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> marriage advice from Tony. <laughs> well, she's been a, a real blessing to me. Um, she she kind of got on me one day. I was like, man, I'm not. I have two subscribers. Like, what am I doing wrong? And she's like, you're not doing anything wrong. It's new. Like. And so a lot of times it's not about um, your actual reach. It's about your the consistency that you're promoting and that you're posting and that you're talking about this. Uh, I take, um, so when she said that to me, I was like, you're right. You know, I have to, I, my main thing is I need to be more consistent with what I do. And that's probably the most intimidating thing. Cause now I have to think about like, well, what am I consistently posting? And a lot of times it doesn't really even matter. Just, just, it's just that you're continually talking about it. Um, and I started em- trying to emulate uh, the creator of Black Sands Entertainment, which is the number one indie uh, graphic novel in the country. Uh-huh. Um, is It's about um, Asur and some other uh, Egyptian gods when they're kids. He explores that. I mean, I, and I've emulated, I, I keep forgetting the creator's name, but I've tried to start emulating what he's doing because he went from doing a Kickstarter where he was trying to raise like $30,000 like two or three years ago. And at this point, he's raised well over a million and a half dollars and he's now doing his own Webtoons app and he's doing his own anime. And he's, you know, so I see what he's doing and how he keeps getting reached. And I'm like, I can actually do that. And it works for him, you know, his reach grows by the day. So I'm like, so if I can just continually post, continue, just be consistent, I can get on that same level. And that's really what it is. It's the, just the consistency. It's, it is intimidating, like you said, but if you're willing to do the work because it's what you want, and it's, I've said a million times, this is not only what I want, this is what I'm going to do, then I can't complain about any work that's given to me you know, or any work I have yeah. to do about it. Well, it sounds like the way what I'm hearing as you're talking is that you are really focused on building what your brand is as an author. And it sounds weird to say, like, I'm an author and I'm building my brand. But that's really, you know, like our Instagram feeds, our Facebook feeds, our Twitter feeds. These are all like curated pieces of what our author brand is going to be. And so you know, not having a, you know, if you're consistent with posting, if you're consistent with putting, you know, things out there, um, you know, COVID is hard right now because we can't do book signings and we can't go to, you know, cons like you were saying, but still finding ways to consistently build that brand with giving content to your, your, you know, your audience you know, and then to say, and now that you're here, here's my Patreon because I don't work for free. <laughs> you know, um, and I think that that's a really cool way to kind of approach it. And I mean, like that's what I'm hearing as you're talking. Yeah. I'm hearing like, okay, Jamad is building his brand. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason. Like, I stopped on my page. I don't put my real name anymore. Like, I always just put my artist name on everything, and that's because, like, you know, that repetition. 
you know, just it's always modest, modest, modest. So now you're going like you have to look up who's modest. If you Google modest, my Patreon pops up, my uh, immemorial lies pops up. You know, some some other stuff that I've done pops up. So now it's like okay. I, I was wondering because I kept seeing it. Now I can explore it and you know, find out who it is. And that's really, you hit the nail on the head. Like building my brand and building who I am as a writer, finding my voice. I think even going back to grad school to get my master's in creative writing because it's been tremendously helpful in this process. So, well, I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to say <laughs> that if anyone would like to follow this podcast and some of my other writing, they can subscribe to our newsletter at abagelmanifesto.com. And where can they find all your stuff, Jamon? Uh, of course, on my Patreon, uh, patreon.com. You can uh, backslash modest or you can just search modest, M-A-A-D-I-S-T. If you, uh, you can also follow me on Instagram, official modest. That's where I post most of my stuff. Facebook, it's modest. And again, that's M-A-A-D-I-S-T. And of course, my Twitter, if you want to see me go off about random things or just post random thoughts, that's and that's Jamad Jeech. Twitter's probably the only place I use my real name. And that's just because it's it's so randomized. Like I put random things on there all the time just because of this thought I just popped in my head. I'm like, huh. Yeah, one of my favorite things about Twitter is when you and I get on a feed and we're just replying to each other with gifts. I mean, it's just like you and we just we'll do that for a while and then we'll quit and then, you know, we'll come back to it. So that's yeah. one of my you're one of my favorite parts of Twitter, Jamal. You have two writers and there's no words being exchanged at all. <laughs> just one after the other. <laughs> and along yeah. those lines, you can find Stephanie's book, Chasing Alice, on saltwatermedia.com. Look, we'll do like like the big kids do. Yeah, we'll, we'll take Jamad's advice and we will promote ourselves because that's something we never do. And I think Jamad's on to something here. So we, we should listen to Jamad more often. Yeah, <laughs> both of you guys need to promote yourselves. I have not gotten a chance to read Chasing Alice yet. I want to get a signed copy. So uh, I will be stopping by. So I'll order once. Um, we clear up. Open. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, was, I would love to see you when this clears up. So um, I'll, I'll have a copy ready to roll for you. Perfect. I mean, it's weird doing a podcast without Tony cracking open a, a, a six pack and be like, hey, do you want to try this new beer or anything? <laughs> I have to be myself on screen because people can see me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Stephanie, that's a part of the show where you thank the guest. Oh my gosh. Well, Jamon, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and chatting with us about all of the cool stuff you're doing. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, it's always a pleasure to be on What's So What's Your Story. I think you guys are like the first podcast I ever did. So you always hold a special place in my heart. And I'll always make sure I come back here. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Jamon. All right. Y'all have a good one. You too. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit them at www.saltwatermedia.com. You can find the podcast page at so what's your story podcast.com where we have links to the author's work and short bios and lots of other fun stuff. You can also reach us via email and social there.
tell your story.